and everyone I see myself. The wounded, the just trying to make it, wanting to be loved in spite of the challenges, I treat everyone the way I want to be treated, with compassion and grace, with love and respect. So I write the how on the tablet of my heart. These aren't commandments, these are alignments, personal adjustments I write to free myself. Free all burdened by doubt and pain, neglect and abandonment. I write for the lost girls never found, for the boys searching for something, for those who were told that they'd never amount to anything, that their dreams are too big or not big enough. I write for those who were told that they were not enough and too much. I write to challenge the status quo, manhood, motherhood, what does it mean to be a man and a woman? I write to ease the loneliness brought on by confusion, isolation, worlds apart, suffering the same plight, fighting the same fight, the haves and the have-nots. I write for the God-searchers, the non-believers, those going through their existential crisis. I write for those contemplating suicide and those left to attend the wake. I write for those who think that they are mistakes, to tell all that Worth is not determined by quantity, but quality of heart. That love saves when it's true. That is not meant to destroy, but uplift. I write for God, proof that in me the spirit exists. That I am no better or worse than the next, but that I am still deserving of loving the life I'm living. I write against the brutality of systems, family dynamics, position of power that often leads to oppression. I write about depression about anxiety. I write about the human condition, the connection we all share. Experiences may defer. My love sees your truth because I see myself in everyone. And in everyone, I see myself. So I write because of you. Open Soul Sessions. You ready, my man? With Poetic Black. Ain't nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and looted dances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. We start from scratch, exploring new possibilities. Welcome to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black, and I'm happy to be here. Spoken Soul family, what's good? We got another good one for you today. I hope, I hope your dreams are in pursuit. I hope that you are steadfast in pursuit of your dreams. I hope the plan to be victorious and successful tomorrow starts today. I hope you're on your journey. Spoken Soul Sessions family, we here with another one. I promised y'all part two. And as I promised, She's here. The obsidian. Cut sharp like scalpels. This beautiful queen, let me give her the introduction, even though we did this before, because this is part two. I'm going to read her bio again for those who missed the show last week. We're talking about none other than Lady Obsidian Rain. She's an advocate for global wellness using art and social sciences. 
The poet Lady Obsidian Rain is passionate about being, about helping individuals develop healthy identity and self-esteem through self-creative expression and spirituality. By hosting empowerment workshops under her slogan, Bloom in Spite of Everything, Rise to Become Anything. Lady Rain is a mother and has a passion for nurturing others in the hopes of being a positive impact on the development of future generations. She is co-founder of the Poets of the Round Table, has published two poetry books, Weathering the Storms and Love After the Eruptions. Those books can both be found on Spotify, iTunes, and most social media platforms. Let's welcome back to the Spoken Soul Studio, the beautiful, lovely Lady Obsidian Rain. Welcome, 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 my sister. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm so I'm so happy to have you back in the studio. Uh, we had a little technical difficulties at the end of our last show, but as promised, we are back. And uh, we had a very interesting conversation the last time we were on, and uh, it got deep. You even you didn't even get to finish your full promise poem, so. Today, what we're going to do, we're going to, you know what I'm saying? We said we're going to give you two more, but we're going to give you the whole four because it's well-deserved. I mean, the mm. conversation we had last time was just, it was crazy. I was still thinking about it. So let's <laughs> let's jump right back in because where we were at, and I, and I caught another interview you were doing recently with my brother, uh, Tarishi Midnight Shula. I yeah. seen you had the brother on the show and a uh, great interview. And I wanted to ask a question concerning the conversation that y'all had over there, which I thought was like, it was phenomenal. So we're going to bring that over here because there's one question because you had made a statement and uh, you was qualifying the statement. And I was like, well, I couldn't get the whole interview, but the interview that I caught, the chunk that I caught, it was very engaging. And I, I think we should bring that over here. But the question he asked and you was clarifying was, broken we all we're all broken and um mm-hmm. and and you was making some really great points you was making some really great points about the brokenness of people and i want to get into that but before we get into that you know what i'm saying let's get into what we was talking about the last time because the, the 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 conversation got it got nice <laughs> you know what i'm saying because <laughs> Your points of views were like, I was like, yeah, this, I'm, I'm really digging what she's saying. But we were talking about the religion and how it basically perpetuates re- religion. When people become dogmatic, you know what I'm saying? Do- to, be, to be dogmatic, in my opinion, is the worst thing you can be because you leave no room for nothing else. You leave no room for possibilities. And we don't know everything. So the fact that we don't know everything, you know, it it, it, it kind of, it kind of gives us the, the incentive to say, okay, you don't know everything. So knowledge is so vast. So be humble, be mm-hmm. humble. So you can, you know what I'm saying? You can learn more. And the, the question we was talking about, about religion, the ideas, those archaic ideas of man is here, women is here and you know what I mean? I like I think it's a little bit backwards. And I think we can do better as a community if we revise, not saying change things, but put things in perspective that, you know, it fits more of a modern time. Because mm-hmm. when you try to be when you when you try to be a fundamentalist, you know, when you try to just deal with the fundamentals, fundamentals are great, they're good. But you have to know how to apply and how to work. And I think in our society, dealing with black people, the black community, I think that we are religious to a fault, that we get too religious to a fault because no one prays or no one worships the way we worship. You know what I'm saying? Like when you look at all the different religions that we partake in, whether it be Christianity, whether it be Islam, we always go above and beyond. Because we are spiritual people, we are spiritual beings, we are connected to the creator. I believe that. 
You know what I'm saying? Now, who's the creator and all that? I don't get into all the names and everything because that's where the confusion lies. But I believe that we're all connected to that source, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that the books that are written, there's a lot of wisdom in those books. However, you know, a lot of people misconstrue a lot of things and they take things for face value. And that's why we get the type of behavior that we get from our men, the type yeah. of behavior we get from our women. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you the floor. You know what I'm saying? We done prefaced it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just, you know, I'm going to give you the floor and just let you go, man, because you, you, I mean, <laughs> whoa, you are a mountain of information, you know what I'm saying? And jewels. So go ahead, my sister, man. The floor is yours. Thank you. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of a daunting now that I think about it. Um, I just, I'm not, I'm, I obviously, I didn't go to school for theology, so I'm not like, I wouldn't classify myself as a theologist. But I do read and um, I try to look at all aspects of things. So as far as like, you know, face value information. Yeah, I think as a community, I think as a society, we do that. You think about like the 400 years that, you know, the Bible went missing and people were essentially just going into church and then just receiving the messages. But think about how telephone was playing in school. Like somebody starts off with a message and that gets like completely altered by time it gets to the end of the line. So who's to say that like, you know, things that were told weren't interpreted one way and then passed down and that misinterpretation then got misinterpreted just a, a little bit more. So when it comes to like looking at, you know, the books that I'm reading, I can't help but look deeper. I can't help but, you know, see past the face value of something to get the full message um, in, in, in like the grand scheme of things. And a lot of us, we don't look up the definitions of words. We don't look up the origin of it. Mm. So like, as I was saying last time, like women being the helpmate, a lot of people interpret that as, oh, you're just my helper. I'm the leader. You're just my helper. You do as I say. But the woman was autonomous, you know, mm. helpmate meant I had my own brain and I'm able to look at situations to provide my perspective for you to look at yourself and then make a decision. Mm. Not just I blindly follow as you tell me to. You know, so I think that misinterpretation has really shot a lot of us in the foot in how we interact with each other. So, you know, that that's just one perspective. Um, and like I said, between the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, um, Eastern philosophy, like I literally grew up watching a lot of anime um, mm. and like really being involved in Eastern philosophy more than anything else. And just the spirituality of what I got from there made me look at even the Bible differently. Mm. It was, and, and so we were saying last time, like everything is actually supposed to be about personal accountability and discernment, not condemnation, not, mm. Oh, you're doing this wrong here. I know the right way. There is no particular right way. There is a good way. There's a better way. There is a mistake that we learn from, mm. you know, and a lot of us look at everything in black and white. Oh, if it ain't right, it's wrong. If it ain't right, it's black. Like mm. that's not that's not reality. You know, there's a lot of grayscale that is involved in living actual life. Um, so I just feel like a lot of us have to look into the origin of things. Um, mm. I think one of my one scripture that always kind of gets me is like, you know, if you're seeking truth, you will find it. Mm. A lot of people aren't really seeking truth. They're taking what's given to them as truth and then running with it. They're not, you know, testing it themselves and seeing what is real about it. Great, great, great point. Because uh, I use this analogy a lot and I use the analogy of gold. Like if you ever go to a pawn shop and you give them some gold, you're trying to pawn some gold or you're trying to, you know, the first thing they do, the very first thing they do is pull out the scratch board and they pull out the acid and they test it. You know what I mean? And, and then when you look at the analogy of the test, acid burns. It's the fire. It's the fire that that purifies. You know what I mean? And people get it twisted. And, 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 when, and, when, you, and when you come and when you come and you say, all right, you know, individuals don't they don't put the test to it. They just say, I'm going to believe it. And, and, and it's so it's so profound because belief is based on knowledge. 
And it, it, it seems like an oxymoron because when you think about belief, people think about, oh, it's something I just got to believe in. I got like Santa Claus is a belief. You know, the, the Easter bunny is a belief. So I just got to believe with all my heart. And, it, and that's what it is. But no, belief is based on knowledge. And this is one principle that I learned from Islam, that belief, your belief is based on your knowledge. So you have to know first. You know, in the Quran, there's a verse in the Quran when Allah says, Fa'alam. Fa'alam. Fa'alam means no. It's like a command. Fa'alam. La ilaha illallah. Festakim. So he says, Know that there's no God but Allah. Festakim means to stand firm on that. So the belief is to know first. The first commandment is to know. Know. Know that this is what it is. And then after you know, stand firm on what you know. So nowhere in the commandment does it tell you to just believe in something without knowledge. And that's our problem. We believe what our, what our ancestors, what our family, the loved ones around us, we believe what they pass down to us. Because when you think about it, all religions that's on the face of the earth right now wouldn't be here without the credence of our parents. Without the credence of our parents, it takes our parents to be complicit and say, look, I'm going to teach you the ways that was taught to me. But at mm -hmm. some point, we have to redefine what we're teaching our children and what we're passing on. And we need to clarify through this filter to say, OK, this right here may have worked back then 2000 years ago. But right now, this concept will will definitely stumble us. So we got to we gotta just stay focused, okay? So right here, we're going to change this. We're not changing, but we're going to modify it. We're going to modify it a little bit to fit where we can be more useful, where it can be more useful, where we understand how it applies today. And a lot of times with us, we just say, okay, blind faith, I'm going to go with it because this is what my grandmama taught me or this is what my mama taught me or this is what my granddaddy taught me and I'm going to stay firm on that. But now that we know knowledge is the number one prerequisite of this belief, now we have to search. And going back to what you were saying, most people don't want to do that searching. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of discipline, a lot of diligence to say, to look inside of yourself and to say, okay, I need to make these changes. I need to follow this path. And, and people don't want to do that. People feel more secure in being led. People feel more secure in saying, okay, you got all the answers. And the only thing I got to do is follow what you tell me to do. But that takes away the personal accountability. That's why it's easier to exactly. follow because then you're not holding yourself responsible. You're holding, you know, you'll, you'll be able to say, oh, well, I just followed this person. Like, that's still a choice. Blind leading the blind. Uh, Y'all all going to end up off a cliff somewhere. <laughs> somebody's not looking around and saying, wait, this don't feel right. It don't look right. I know this is what you guys are, are believing and thinking. But why don't we try it this way? And until somebody stands up and says that, like, you're all in danger. Mm -hmm. We're it, all in danger. It's, 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 it's so profound. It's so profound. And, you know, I love having these discussions because it brings clarity. Because a lot of times we divide ourselves. I always say that black people, we are the most divided of any people on the face of the earth. I'm not talking about black people as a whole. I'm talking about the people they classify as African-American or black American. And the reason why I, I point black American out is because black Americans are different and unique from any other black people on the face of the earth. These are people who have lost their identity. We don't know who we are. That's why you find black Americans involved and engulfed in so many different religions. Any religion you find, you will find black Americans practicing it, whether it be Buddhism, whether it be Islam, Christianity, Judaism, it doesn't matter. We cling to these things because we're clinging and we're searching for our identity, which has been lost. And when you look at the transition of the Middle Passage, the, the slavery, the Jim Crow, the redlining, you look at all these different things and it adds up to where we're at today. That's why we are so undivided. We are so divided because we we find things to differ upon. Well, you're light skin. I'm team light skin. You're team dark skin. Oh, uh, uh, I'm team. I'm team BBW. You team. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. You dig what I'm saying? We find so many things to divide ourselves with. So we're we're divided initially. 
We're divided from the, the, the melanated people all over the world. There's a connection there, but we're divided from that because we divide ourselves. You know what I'm saying? We're sub-subdivided because the, after we didn't divided ourselves, now we are light-skinned, dark-skinned, rich, poor, uh, Caribbean, non-Caribbean. You know what I'm saying? Black people find so many different things to divide themselves on. So we're never strong enough to, to be able to close a fist to be able to close a fist, a fist to defend ourselves because everybody is doing their own thing. When you got the index finger want to do one thing and the pinky want to do something else, the middle finger saying, I'm doing what I want to do. I don't care what nobody say. And it's all over the place. Your hands is all over the place. You can never be cohesive enough to come together, grab a fist and say, we're going to defend ourselves. We're going to fight for something. We're going to we're going to do something to better ourselves. And that, that's missing from the black community in America. And I'm not talking about the black community all around the world because these things exist around the world. If you look at the African um, community, even though they may have the different things, they do have unity. They do have a sense of culture. They have a sense of identity of who they are. And they're proud of it. You know, they're proud of it. Remember, I don't know when you was going to school, but we had a term. When you used to be ranking on people and dissing people, we had a term. You were African booty scratcher. I don't know if you remember. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember that. You know what I'm saying? You remember that, right? They say, oh, you African booty scratcher. And I'm like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Why was it so so funny to oh to, to, to take stabs at it? Because at it, it, when you go to the psyche of how we were when we were growing up, the psyche was like, oh. We're distant from Africa. We ain't no Africans because only thing we knew of Africa was, oh, these are savages, what they depicted to us. When you looked at the Bugs Bunny cartoons and all that, how did they depict right. the Africans? With big lips, dark, and they were savages. They didn't have no sense of, of civilization. You dig what I'm saying? So this is what goes into the psyche of the people growing up. And it's, and it's still there. It's dormant. We don't we don't say, oh, it's right there in the fourth, but it's there. And you have a lot of us dealing with identity issues we are dealing with identity issues that's why we're so subdivided nobody wants to be black you know what i'm saying nobody until, wants to be black no, they, they want to be black until it's time to be black exactly exactly um, but there there's I, I don't remember the term for it at this present moment but um like the breakdown of like the psychology and like how parents deal with their kids you, you think about like the you know black parents somebody compliments your kid he's like the first thing you do is you start talking about like all their negative attributes mm. and how it was broken down was you go back into slavery, you give birth to this kid and the master comes over and says, Oh, that looks like a, a good worker. The mom is going to disparage this child so that the master doesn't take him away. Mm. So mm. I even so like, you know, the negative comments that I think we say to each other, it's like, it's supposed to be like a reverse psychology, but what ends up happening is like we're internalizing those words as the truth. And now we start believing those things about ourselves. Wow. Um, so I, I really wish I could remember the term for it. Um, but when I when I started thinking about that and I started paying attention like to my kids, it's just like interesting. Mm. So now when they start doing things, I make sure to tell them all their positive attributes and then say, yeah, you may have made this misstep, but I know that you are intelligent and I know that, you know, That's you can right. figure this out better the next time, you know? So it's always pushing forward the positive so that they're like, okay, it wasn't a complete loss. I learned a lesson from this. I'm still a good person. I'm still a good kid. Cause the first thing that they do is like, Oh, I'm bad. I'm this, I'm mm. that. And it's all the negative things. And then it, it breaks down their self-esteem. It breaks down their confidence. They start allowing other people to just, say whatever they want to them and they start internalizing all of that as well and that's when you get the people pleasing you know personalities that's where you get the either really aggressive personalities where they just want to fight everybody all the time because they're angry on the inside so it's it's very much being mindful of ourselves and how we are impacting the other and then for the other it's also being mindful of do i really need to accept this as the truth let me put it up to the light mm. and you know I love the fact when I get into these conversations, I can't help but go back to the Bible. <laughs> um, where, you know, he says to test everything against his word. Mm. If God says you are loved, if God says that you are made fearfully and wonderfully, if God says that you are capable of doing all things, how then can you allow somebody else 
human as well to tell you something else mm. and you believe them over you believe in god that's deep you're a creator right that's deep so i start being mindful of that because i've clearly been told a lot of things in my life and i'm just like yeah i kind of can't believe you on that because when all else is you know fade away tried by fire um i'm still here and i know what i'm capable of and i i don't have to let you talk me out of that truth right. you know and you when you brought up being tried by fire earlier like <laughs> <laughs> I, I was over here like dancing because you know he says he's gonna refine his children like silver if you ever look at the refinement process for silver mm-hmm. you hold that sucker to the fire that's until right. all the impurities are burnt, burnt. away that's right? right but the maker is right there holding you because he says he never leaves you nor forsakes you right so he's mm-hmm. right there in the fire with you and when does he take you out the fire when you start when he can see his reflection in you mm. that's how he knows all the impurities are gone mm. profound so, like that cultivation of self it's like you have to go in and do that surgery the negative aspects the lies that you tell yourself and that you force yourself to believe because this is what you knew based on what people were telling you you now have to have the opposing view here's the reflection is this true is this not true Okay, if it's not true, I don't have to believe you. I'm making mm. the choice not to believe you anymore. That's right. And you're you're talking about being um, black. I actually have a poem named Black. Oh yeah, so that's yeah. that that's the perfect segue because we're gonna get into one of your pieces. So matter of fact, might as well cue that up right now. Cue that piece up right now, and I'm gonna play a a, a word from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. I'll introduce your first piece, Black. Can't wait. Let's get it. Hello, this is William S. Peters, Sr., a.k.a. Just Bill from Interchild Press International. First, I must say we at Interchild Press are proud to support my brother, Daniel Green, a.k.a. Poetic Black, and his prolific embracing and informative program, Spoken Soul Sessions. As a publisher and now sponsor of the work Poetic Black does, we at Inner Child Press International offer to you, his listeners and all spoken word artists, writers, and poets, a 10% discount on all of our publishing packages and services. Please mention code Spoken Soul to take advantage of this offer while it lasts. You can contact us at InTouch at InnerChildPress.com. And we hope to see your words in print very soon. We are InnerChild Press International, building bridges of cultural understanding. That's www.InnerChildPress.com. Thank you. Coming to the stage, let's give a warm, warm welcome to my sister and your sister, Lady Obsidian Rain. I've heard it many times over. It's hard being black in America. We are target practice for the trigger happy. We are lab rats for the scientist. We are scapegoats for the guilty. We are idols for those looking for a reason to execute their jealousy. We are pain personified and still. We shine. We are the shadow behind the light that emboldens its radiance. We are a culmination of light absorbed and when broken, The refraction of black is the rainbow. I've heard it said that being black is a stain of inferiority, forgetting that melanin is naturally occurring, genetically predisposed at birth. And although you can lose pigmentation, no matter how you try, you can never achieve its purest form in reverse. But is that really the point? All this pride over color that none of us got to choose, all this division and we all lose, Whether lives or our humanity, we become beasts driven to insanity. What profits a man to gain the world but lose his soul? Is color more important than soul? A soul that retains no colored body when the body rots away. I want to be more than black. I want to be the low light that brightens the highlights of God's face. 
the blackness that absorbs the rays of the sun only to radiate warmth back into existence when the day is done. I want my blackness to be a reunion of the rainbow. Whole, brilliant. They said it's hard to be black in this world of chaos. Sure, which means it's a cry for help from the bullies that want to impose their superiority, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Profound, absolutely profound piece, my sister. Wow, man. You made so many great points in that poem. You know, I'm like, wow. You know, I was talking about black being black. I, I wrote a poem and it, and I was saying in the poem, I was like, curse us for the black in us, then profit off our pain. Curses for the black in us then profit off our pain, you know? So that's the situation that we're dealing with here. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like you said, nobody wants to be black until it's time to be black. When it's time to be black, nobody wants to be black. But when it's not time, when it's a trend, when it's a, you know, when they trying to appropriate something or steal something, oh, it's okay. But nobody really want to deal with being black. And I I wrote that poem, Black Pain. And that piece right there, it sums up what you were saying in your piece. You know, it's so profound. It's so deep, you know, how we deal with each other. And the reason why we deal with each other the way we deal with each other is because of that very same reason. You know, all those points you, you, you made in your poem. And I just think that piece was phenomenal, man. One more time for the sister. Absolutely profound. Absolutely profound. Absolutely. So, yes. I mean, I mean, it's like every time you come and you you spit a piece, man. We just it opens the rabbit hole to go so many different places, man. Like, wow, man, I gotta have you as a recurring guest. You know what I mean? Just, just <laughs> don't say bring you as a re- a recurring guest on the show, man. I mean, you're amazing, man. I really do appreciate you, Queen. I mean, when I first saw you on Instagram. It's something about your poetry that stopped me, you know, it stopped me, you know, and I get that from certain poets. It's, it's, it's very few poets, but I get it from certain poets and you stop me. And when I really start getting to your pieces, really listening to your pieces, you are amazing. You are definitely amazing. But tell us, tell us, like, what was going through your head when you wrote that particular piece, Black? It's, it's a little bit of just a reflection on my life. Um, my <laughs> so I'll tell you guys something really funny. When I was younger, I inadvertently told my mom I was going to be a hoe before I even understood what that concept <laughs> even meant. And <laughs> it was more because like I, I like Pocahontas was one of my favorite movies growing up. Mm. And the school that I went to, um, one of the schools that I went to, the school song was Colors of the Wind. And like I grew up very humanitarian and I was like, mom, I'm going to have a kid of every nationality so that we could all be related. And like, nobody would have to hate each other anymore because we'd be related. Of course, this is before I realized how that, that actually works. Like I, I just laugh about it now. Like I, I was a very idealistic kid. Um, but like my daughter, um, is mixed. Um, her father is German and Norwegian. And so like, my daughter absolutely hates the month of February because mm. of like three months. Wow. She hates going to school um, <laughs> because of the narrative that, you know, gets told. It's told from the slave, you know, concept and the, you know, the masters. And she's like, am I supposed to hate them? You know, am I not supposed to love my Gigi anymore? Like, why do they hate us? Why do they treat us like that? And it's, it's hard Mm. as a as a mother to kind of look at her kid and know that she's having this internal battle within herself and i have to show her the big picture that mm. it has nothing to do with color and everything to do with control and power it had nothing to do with love or hate it was just power and control um 
and lacking of self-love because you can't really love yourself and treat other people the way you do mm. there has to be something in you that feels that you have to portray yourself as something more than somebody else you know and so that kind of came from that experience that having that conversation with her she's like we're more than just our color you know mm. profound man very profound and that's it's it's amazing because that's 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 deep a lot of people don't really realize you know I me mean? and for your daughter for her to experience that i i'm trying to empathize and put myself in that position and i and i'm thinking about it i'm like wow that gotta be crazy because how do you hate what's already in you you know what i'm saying it's it's mm -hmm. like like you want me to hate this you know what i mean but it's in me but how, how can i hate it and it's profound but i think the way you explained it was spot on it was spot on because when you go to the history of how this all the racism thing happened, you know, it was more so about power. It was mm -hmm. more so about power. And you see how a lot of different nationalities, white or European nationalities under that umbrella got put under the Caucasian or the white umbrella for the mere fact of power and control when you mm -hmm. need to isolate one people because in a capitalistic society you you need a, a very rich class of people which is the one percent in order mm -hmm. for capitalism to work this only way it works you need a, a a degree of very rich people but you also need a degree of very poor people in this country, you have to capitalize off someone or exploit someone in order to be successful. When you really break it all down, the whole idea of capitalism is exploitation. I got to find something that you need, something that you want, and I got to mm -hmm. capitalize off that by any means necessary. And it's all they good. Absolutely do. They you capitalize off of our insecurities. Exactly. You, know, you, you have to use this product to be considered beautiful. Mm. You got to use this product to get That's the girl. Right. You got to use this product to get the guy. They absolutely capitalize capitalize off of you know insecurities mm -hmm. and in all honesty like slavery only extended for as long as it did because of <laughs> of just how they um they they utilize their their color to their advantage because it wasn't just black slaves at one point there were exactly. also white slaves exactly but the rebellions were successful mm. so instead what they did was they took the whites and said look you have more in common with me than you do with them we're the same color I'll put you as the overseer. Mm. Classism. And you, you and put that's the, when that began. Exactly, that's the middle class. Exactly. You say, okay, look, because when you look at history, before white people, when they said white people, Irish people, Italians, they weren't considered white. They nope. were not considered white. You know what I'm saying? They used to call Irish people, they used to call them um. What's, what's the uh uh they used to call them niggas also they used to call irish niggas but it was a particular type of nigga they used to call them they call arabs <laughs> they call arabs but they call arabs they call arab sand niggas you mm -hmm. dig what i'm saying so they they use them to say okay we know that our numbers are not up there but we are the we are the elite so we need to increase our numbers because eventually if you treat everybody like crap eventually and you're the minority they'll the, yeah. the, the majority will overtake you so you have to put these people in different positions to give them a false sense of entitlement give them a false sense of saying okay you matter because of this but in all actuality it don't matter we just want to be in the top one percent and everything under us is subservient and that's the whole idea but they use racism as the big distraction they use it as the big distraction you know, I didn't know that they, they called Irish people that. But now that you've said it, it made me think about something that my sister recently said to me. She um is, you know, she's a, a literacy you know major. Um, she does all things books. She's amazing. And she says, she said that all of redheaded characters in books, when they turn them into shows or they turn them into the movies, they give the that character to a black actor or actress. Wow. Wow. And like, I... It's like, wow, they really saw redheads the same way that they saw black people, mm -hmm. which is why even in the literature to you know media, they're interchangeable. Like, that's crazy. That's 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 real crazy right there. That You just taught me something. That's that's deep. That is deep, man. 
But it's it's crazy though. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. But I, I love the way that you explained that to your daughter. That that's very profound, man, and it's very well put to make her understand what it is. Because when you all when you break it all down, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. But they use that, and you have people who feed off of it. They get they they get they they fill off of it, and they're like, yeah, I'm better than you because of my skin. And then it it it, it, it spills over because we deal with that as black people. And you really have people who are light skin who think that they're better because they're light. Like when I was when I was growing up, it was crazy. The light skin girls always got all the attention. They always got all the attention. I never understood that. And the light skin boys always got all the attention. You know what I'm saying? Now, my grandmother, my grandmother is she's Indian. She's Indian. You know, she's Ethiopian. And Cherokee. Now, and a lot of people say, "Oh, I got Cherokee again," but my grandmother was really Cherokee. You like, you could see the 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 high cheekbones, the 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 long hair, the long straight hair, and everything. And she was very fair skinned but she used to always say something. She used to say, "Don't bring no piss color girl up in here." You know what I'm saying? She's always say that. I was like, "Why you? Why? Why you?" She's like, "Yo, well, she grandma. my grandma didn't like lice. She was light skinned but mm-hmm. she didn't like, she didn't like that ideal. And that's why I, 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 I realized it. It was because of the fact that they used to get so much attention. She would get so much attention just for the mere fact of being light. So because you're light, you're going to give me this attention because I'm light. You dig what I'm saying? But her father was, when I say her father was black, black, he was blue, black. My great grandfather was blue, black. He's a hundred percent Ethiopian. One hundred percent. You know what I mean? And he he happened to marry my great grandmother, who was one hundred percent Indian. She was Cherokee. One hundred percent, both sides. So when they came together, my grandmother came out. She came out fair and light, mm-hmm. fair and light. Her brothers and sisters are dark. Well, not all of them, but it there's there is light ones and there's dark ones. But the bottom line is that. The stuff that she experiences being a light-skinned woman growing up in those times, it mattered. It mattered. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to pass that on down to us. So she didn't want us to feel. You know what I'm saying? She didn't want to, she didn't want to, she didn't want to feel like make us feel like, oh, just because you were lighter or your hair was straight, that you were some t- somehow better than anyone else. And that and that message I always got from my grandmother. And it made me who I am. I'm poetic black. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like poetic. Everybody know poetic black. I'm revolutionary. You know what I'm saying? To my thoughts and my mind. I, I love my people. And and I want to fix my people any way I see, you know, that I can. I want to help my people any way that I can. And we're dealing with a crisis. We're definitely dealing with a crisis. But I'm so happy that we have minds like yours that's out there educating the people, out there motivating the people, and 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 bringing clarity to where we what we're dealing with, bringing actual clarity to what we're dealing with, and I, I think you're profound, my sister. Now, we got to get into some more pieces, man, because the same thing is happening. The first interview, you know, what I'm saying <laughs> the same thing is happening. I'm telling you, I would sit here and talk to you all day. We'll be, we'll be. I'll get like 15 episodes out of one conversation with you. Break it down. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, we got to get you spitting some more pieces. All right, so I'm going to cue you up. Let's get into another piece. What's the name of this piece that you're about to spit? So I know that you actually you personally requested this one. So this one is called Death of Eve. Oh, this is my joint right here. This is my joint right here. We didn't get into this one last time. This is my joint. Uh, I can't wait. Let me set the mood. Coming back to the stage, let's give a warm, warm welcome to my sister and your sister, Lady Obsidian Rain. Named after the midnight sky, bone of bone, flesh of flesh, Wife as helpmate turned servant slave girl, turned scapegoat. Take the blame, girl. Back so strong, carry all the shame, girl. Thick like steak meat, 
Let me take a bite, girl. Long and gangly. Let me beat you with my stick, girl. Then I'll tell them you asked for it. Taunted me with those bedroom eyes. The fullness of your breast. Who told you that you were allowed to beat your chest with confidence, girl? Hair too kinky. Too much coil. Too much curl. Lips so full, dripping with poisonous honey. Hips swaying in graceful strides. Don't you know you're a gazelle? So run. Run, girl. Fear me like the prey you are. Feel me just inches away from your neck. Feel me put you on this pedestal for being my exotic fantasy. Let me strip you of your dignity and replace you with everything I'm more comfortable with. Everything that isn't you but can mimic your essence. I mean, it isn't fair you get to be so melanated, glowing in the radiance of the sun. Be like the moon. Stay in the shadow and reflect my light. It's sickening how you still light up the night, your vibrant laughter and soulful song. Why can't you just play along? Why do you have to contrast me so clearly? The only option is to give birth to Venus and put death to Eve. Oh my goodness, man. Oh my goodness, man. I mean, you're, you're working, I'm telling you, you're working on becoming Spoken Soul Sessions Poet Laureate. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> I was like, wow, man. Oh, my goodness. That piece right there is everything, man. I mean, when you break that piece down and you and you get what you're saying, everything you're saying is what our black women in this country is going through. Everybody want to be black. When you look at when you really look at these women and what marks beauty today, they do the Botox, inject your lips with Botox. You want you want fuller lips to look like who? You want fuller lips to look like who? You always say they say uh, they compare us to monkeys. It's crazy that they compare us to monkeys. You know what I'm saying? When they have more features of a monkey than we do. The thin lips. Monkeys have very thin lips. You don't got monkeys with big lips. Monkeys got very thin lips. But then you got you got the Botox that you got that you want to put in your lips. You got the the injections you want to put in your behind. You want to en enhance your breasts. You want to do all these things. Like I don't know if you're familiar with the Hottentot. The Hottentot, the the mm -hmm. uh, the history behind the sister that they paraded in Europe, all around Europe. Arab Bartman is that Arab Bartman exactly what I'm talking about, with, with the big with the big behind, the big mm -hmm. breasts, and they and they paraded her. They paraded her genitalia. If I'm not mistaken, when she died, they they cut out her, her genitalia and they put it in jars to be seen. And this yeah. this is the things they use to try to. To, to demonize black people. That's what they say. Black women have a high sexuality than other, any other race. Mm -hmm. Oh, that that's what they're made for. And, and the things that all the things you would make and mention of in your poem of, of what they want to be, they admire you. They admire the black woman and they look at her with admiration, but it turns into disdain because no one wants to be black. You want all the, qualities all the characteristics of black you want the beauty the ebony you want you, they go in the sun all day long trying to be what who are you trying to look like if if black is so bad why are you trying to get dark what's the perfect tan what's the perfect tan if black is so bad you should be trying to get away from black is so much you know what i'm saying if it's so demonizing but they didn't they didn't convince the world that you you are the curse of the planet but you are the you are the gift of the planet and they always it just it just puzzles me and it baffles me and it upsets me when they when they say that the black woman is always upset the black woman is always angry the black woman is always depicted as being irrational whenever she speaks up for herself or whenever she she's assertive right, oh right. she's she's irate or she's mm -hmm. irrational these are the these are the type of things they try to to depict us as and the men also black men mm -hmm. remember when the, um the brother got killed when they when they um i believe it was alton sterling when the when they had the helicopter that was just so crazy to me the helicopter commentator he's in a god daggone helicopter looking at the guy down there saying oh he looked like a big mean one 
You know, he look he looks he looks vicious. Why? What made him look vicious? Mm-hmm. Man didn't have no gun on him. Man wasn't a threat, but he looks vicious. Why? What was it that made him look vicious? His skin. That's what it was made him look vicious because they try to demean and, and depict yeah. black people as being monsters. If you look at the first Birth of a Nation, the first movie that, that oh was called gosh. Birth of a Nation that was played in the White House, in the White House, it depicted black people as being what? Whoremongers, rapists individuals that was going to take the society and make it all uncivilized. These are the things they tried to depict into the minds yeah, of people. Yeah, but let's not talk about what Columbus did. Exactly. He celebrated because I really believed when I was growing up in school that Christopher Columbus discovered America. It wasn't until I became poetic black that I started saying, yo, all this history is a little bit warped. You know, see, I can read now. What, like, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? But they, if you read his diaries and you see the way that he depicted the individuals, the inhabitants of this land, he looked at them with awe. And like, oh, they're, they're this and they're this and they're this. But the whole time scheming on how to take this land and say it's theirs. It's funny. You know what I'm saying? It's everything real- he did in the in the Indies and everything like that. So, yeah, like it's just it is crazy. Like they say what history is written by the victors and that's right. They control the narrative. That's and- right. That's right. That is um, so right. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that it got to be that way. But you know what I'm saying? Thank God that we have poets and minds like yours that's out there dispelling this nonsense that's this but education it. is important very um, important and it was a quote that was said to me when i was younger and they said if you wanted to hide something from someone put it in a book, book. Mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't read or that might be the other reason why they keep a lot of us really occupied so that we don't have the time to read and mm-hmm. get educated ourselves because the truth is out there if you only search for it yourself. That's right. That's you, right. you need to be uh, on that journey, that path. And, and and you're right. You're absolutely right. Because most of us, like you said earlier in the show, it takes a lot. Of, it takes a lot of diligence and accountability to be able to stand up on your own, too, and say, look, I'm searching for something and I'm going to find it. Because it's easy to believe. Because we, when, like you said, when a person saying I was following them. It takes the accountability way. I was just doing what he was doing. I was just doing what he was doing. It takes away the accountability. And most people don't want accountability. I'm working right now as we speak. I'm working on a monologue that I'm going to release soon. But I'm working on the monologue. But it's it's dealing with that exact same thing. That accountability that we don't want to take and say, look, now it's time for us to just stop believing what people say about us. And just look. Just read, just search, because a lot of things can be dispelled if we just get on that journey of knowing, not believing, knowing. Like on YouTube, I have a, this is before I had my podcast, because you know, like you can tell, like religion is my thing. I like dealing with it because I'm very studious in it. But I have a video on YouTube, most people don't know this, but I have a, a video on YouTube when I'm going at the Hebrew Israelites. The Hebrew Israelites, <laughs> it's like I was, I was going on the train, I was going on the train, and I, I was hearing what they were saying, so I said, you know what, let me get into this conversation. And we had like a 40-minute back and forth, back and forth. It was longer than that, but they chopped it up. You know what they do. They're going to yeah. chop it up to fit their narrative. But during the discourse, a lot of things came out. And he asked me during, he said, what do you believe? And I told him in the interview, I was like, that's the problem. I don't believe in nothing. I don't believe in God. I said, I know God. There's a difference. I don't believe Mm -hmm. in God. I don't believe in God. You believe in God. He said, oh, you don't believe in nothing. I said, no, I don't believe in God. I know God. I know God. That's that's the difference. So when you believe in something, a person can bring a whole bunch of other stuff and say, oh, believe mm-hmm. this too. Believe this too. Believe That's dogma. That's what they want you to do. Believe all this because the truth is there. But they add the dogma in order to control you. So yeah. it's not like you're not dealing with truth. You're dealing with truth, but they try to they try to mask it so that they can control you with it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that was the me. very first thing done in the garden. He said, here, eat this fruit. You won't die. You'll become like God. Exactly. Which we did. We we were then, you know, cursed with judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we now know good and evil. Now mm-hmm. we have to decide for ourselves instead mm-hmm. of just living no now we want to 
<laughs> like that's that's crazy. It's deep though, but the story it wasn't a lie. It, it wasn't a it lie. Wasn't. It, it's not what they depicted it as, but in essence, it's true. So when you look at it, you just got to be able to be savvy enough and be understanding enough to know that. Look, I know that the story itself, all the you know what I'm saying? There's there's some embellishment there. However, mm-hmm. the the gist of the story is right on point. The message, the takeaway is on point. So forget about the story, the narrative. Forget about the characters per se, but just mm-hmm. deal with the message. And if you deal with the message, you can you can reap a lot of benefit. And you don't mm-hmm. have to be a particular religion to get that. And that this that's the beautiful thing about it. Absolutely. You don't have to say I'm a Christian in order to get a Christian ideal. You don't have to say I'm Muslim to get a Muslim ideal. If it's truth, it's truth. And you mm-hmm. accept it because that's what it is. That's what we do. That's the type of creatures we are. You know, if we see something that's true, then we we get on it and we accept it. But uh, this, uh, this, 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 I don't want it to end. I do not <laughs> want this to end. But I did promise my audience four pieces. You you recited two. So now, because we, we, we winding up, you're going to have to do back to back. You're going to have to do two back to back. Your choice. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to listen. And then I got to save at least a couple of minutes at the end so we can discuss something. But you're coming back. I hope you know that. I ain't tell you yet, but you're coming back. But let me let me set up the stage for you. Coming back to the stage, let's give a warm welcome to my sister and your sister, Lady Obsidian Rain. The lesson of a word. He said, love is a word. What matters is the connection the word implies. He looked into my heart, asked what would I give to hold on to that connection? I am a beautiful disaster. Such a notion for me is a conflicting action. How does one hold onto something that is free? What I chose to give was every part of me, knowing full well that others can choose to leave. Misunderstood for not caring enough because I so readily accept reality. I wonder what they're really asking of me. I learned that I get what I get and to not be upset. I learned that love looked like bruises on knees and a sunken in chest. I learned that love meant to just do as I'm told. I learned love was a blind eye to scorn hidden in stone. Maybe what he really meant was, what would I do? What would you do to hold on to a connection that you felt belonged to you? As the selfishness of humans is so evidently seen, like toddlers, they hold on to objects with a death-like grip. Love then feels more like an immovable vice grip. Shackled to expectations when it's supposed to give you wings. Constrained to fear instead of being courageous beings. He said love is a word, and we choose its meaning. What does love mean to you? And who is it up to to fulfill it? Is it what you can get or what will you give? Is it what would you do or how you will live? All these words said with convoluted meanings. I always believe love should be free. Guess that's why I never try to keep it. Maybe why I struggle to accept it. What's the point in feeling safe when security is a false perception? And I don't believe that I'm undeserving or that I'm not inherently a woman to love. I just know humans are fickle, caving into the fears they battle, being taught that love is not enough. F-E-A-R, harvesters. Sulfuric soul is the delicacy of choice among them. Ash sacked spirits roaming endless plains of despair, aimlessly search for those lost sparks. In the dark is where you identify them. Chasing sparks only to find that in their hands, soot-covered chubs hold too tightly, snuffing them out. Murder flames become layered dirt. Burden is guilt of lacking control, lacking compassion. Lustful greed of envied appreciation seeks to pull wool over eyes as flight of hand feeds rot to wood. Intensity of flame compromised. These are the internal fire eaters. Walking this earth looking for strong hearts to destroy. Watching them burn out in the name of love. 
shine bright, but never brighter than me, never out of my control, where I can take credit for the way you dance, falsely encoding agonizing reality, soul stealers, fear dealers, these feel healers, these soul healers, overcoming misunderstanding of self, emboldened self-acceptance, capable of seeing discrepancies and adjusting tendencies, tending to the fire burning, keeping the engine running, under control and sense of direction. This is taming the wild of the flames, dancing under night sky, under constellations pattern of flow. As above, so below, from within into extend, walking by the lamp at feet, dragon belly churning with molten lava, they are the new world making scavengers, resourcefully making opportunities from raw material, flames erupting among revolutionaries, burning them into motion, sulfuric soul dancing on the distant wind of volcanic eruptions, teeming with life. My goodness, my goodness, man. Oh my goodness, man. You are amazing, man. I just wish we had the time to go into those two pieces right there, man. <laughs> See, I think you do that on purpose, man. The last two pieces, you gonna, you know what I mean? Like that the last two pieces you spit back to back is a is an episode in itself. Oh my goodness, man. So amazing, man. So amazing. I mean that's who the first the first the listen the first piece the first piece out of the first two that you spit not the the last two mm-hmm. the first of the last two you spit it had me flabbergasted and then you came back to back with another one that shifted my whole thought from the first one to say oh I got a whole bunch of questions for this one made me forget the first questions for the first one. I think you do it on purpose. I usually do it on purpose. <laughs> but you are phenomenal, man. I, I want to thank you. I really want to thank you for coming to the show. And please, 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 because I, I have a panel show that's coming up. And please come back, man. I, wanna, I, I definitely want to have you on this panel discussion when we're talking about some real serious issues, man. And I think you being on the panel, it will bring a lot of clarity to a lot of things because I love your perspective. I really do. I really love your perspective on things, Queen, really. And Mm -hmm. uh, you are phenomenal. I want to thank you for coming to the show. I want to thank you for taking this time to do it twice. You know what I'm saying? Now, now my only thing is I'm trying to decide whether I want to drop both of your episodes at the same time or make them wait week to week and do it <laughs> back to back i don't know how i'm gonna do that yet but y'all gonna stay tuned but i want to thank you for coming to the show my queen thank you for spending this time with me man and we got two books from you we have love after the eruptions and we have weathering the storms am i correct yes. and both of these books can be found on amazon.com i'm gonna buy these books personally i want my audience to go purchase these books how much are they they're 25 25 so please that's just a small investment a small but you said that they can get them from you directly if they cash app you right yes if you want an autograph copy you can contact me um via email or instagram and uh send me the payment on cash app and i would mail it out to you definitely i'm getting my autograph i want mine's autograph (laughs) amazon ain't getting my money i'm gonna i want mine's autograph I want mine's autograph, the poetic black. Put a little nice something special for poetic black. Yeah, yes. go to my collection. And I actually have a like a, a, a website where you can kind of go and find everything um, related to me. It's called purposeofthelotus.com. Um, okay, and purpose that's a of link to everything that I have. Okay, so this is what we're gonna do then. So I'm gonna put all that in the description. Okay. And your cash app, um, um say your cash app. So if they want that autograph copy, they can just go right to your cash app. What's your cash app? Obsidian Rain. Obsidian Rain. Dollar sign, cash sign, Obsidian Rain. That's it. So if y'all want that autograph copy, like I'm going to get, go and, you know, 50 bucks is nothing. That's nothing. The investment, those books will last a lifetime. I have a collection of different artists, books that I have, and these books are so profound. So, so many different 
perspectives you can get that you can walk where you can read when you're feeling blue when you, when you, when you when you're undecisive in a in a situation you can pick up these books and find some some type of clarity but i want to thank my sister for for coming through and y'all go out there and get those books stay tuned because she will be back she will be back trust <laughs> be me honor most definitely my sister thank you so much for my audience let me let me address my audience as we do every show I hope you guys are in pursuit and knowing not believing but knowing who you are knowing what you can do it makes all the difference I want to thank you guys for coming every week spending this time with me listening to these so many different phenomenal artists that I bring on the show week to week I love you guys and I'm talking to you guys I love you guys and the power of the spoken word is real you can change a lot of things in your life with the power of the spoken word the first words they say the most powerful words in the, in the English language is the words I am because after I am, there's so many different possibilities. What's gonna be the possibilities for you? I am everything. I am capable. I am, I am, I am. Believe it, because I believe it. I love you. Remember, always speak your soul. I love you, and I hope you love me too. Peace.